Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. We're going to continue tonight, if you have your Bibles, Galatians chapter 3, verse 23. We'll have it on the screens. We're going to finish out this chapter. And we're focusing on, bless you, we're focusing on this thought. What Paul's trying to drive home, you belong. Somebody say, you belong. Look at somebody next to you and make them feel awkward. Look them in the eyes. They didn't want to look at nobody, but now you are. Look at them in the eyes and say, you belong. There you go. Look at it. And then let, and say, you do too. You do too. You belong. So um, we're going we're gonna to jump in here. You know, Galatians is awesome. I love how Pastor Matt does this expository preaching line by line, verse by verse. And so this is interesting. The Apostle Paul wrote Galatians. And he wrote it from Rome in about 60, AD 68. Uh, in the Dake Study Bible, he said he was written around the time that he wrote the book of Hebrews. Um, and he wrote it to the churches in Galatia. Galatia was a, a Roman province in the middle of modern-day Turkey, okay? And he, he wrote it to, to them, and there was a problem going on. There were people called Judaizers, and they were going around telling people that had gotten saved, that had followed Jesus. They said, guess what? To really be saved, Jesus wasn't enough. You've got to get circumcised and you've got to sacrifice animals. You've got to obey all the law. You've got to do all this other stuff to actually get to heaven. And Paul's telling them, he's saying, no, 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 no. He's saying, you belong in God's family. And all you've got to, it's free. And all you've got to do is put your trust in Jesus. You can grow your faith from there, but the relationship's free. And all you have to do is put your trust in what Jesus did on the cross. He said, so he's, he's basically saying we can live Holy Spirit-empowered lives in holiness, but it's through faith, putting our trust in God and growing in faith. And that place of belonging, that place of security is free and available. You belong in God's family. Would you read this with me, Galatians 3, 23 through 29? Let's start with but before. We're reading the New King James Version. One, two, three, let's read. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by? I like that because that means when, G when we accept Jesus, we're justified. That means God looks at you and me just as if I'd never sinned. Isn't that awesome? Verse 25. But after faith has come, read it with me, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now, baptism there doesn't mean baptism in water. It means to be immersed. It means you were saved, so you were brought into God's family. Just like you jump into a swimming pool, you jumped into God's family through Jesus, okay? I don't want to get confused there. Verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Somebody say, you belong. You belong. Ephesians 1, 6 brings us home. He says this, read it with me. To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for loving us and accepting us. And thank you, God, because I belong. Thank you because every person here belongs. And for any person who's ever struggled with anxiety or insecurities, Thank you because you accept us, you love us, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Grab a seat. Grab a seat. You belong. Um, last, 
about a year and a half ago, my wife's cousin, he told me, he's in the music, and he says, you have got to watch the Hamilton musical. You got to see that. It's on Disney Plus. You got to see it. It's awesome. And he's telling me all this stuff. And I was like, really? I was like, what? You can put that on the screen. Uh, let's see if we got it up there. I don't know. Maybe. Oh, okay. There's Lin-Manuel Miranda. He's a Puerto Rican dude that he's the one that wrote the play. And he wrote it about Alexander Hamilton. Alexander Hamilton, Hamilton is the guy on the left there, right? So what happened was Lin-Manuel Miranda read the Hamilton book the biography by Ron Chernow and got inspired. And he said, I want to make a musical that's R&B and fun and tells the whole story. I don't agree with every word that's in the musical, so don't, don't be judging me, all right? There's a few things in there, but it's very historically accurate. And he said, I got inspired because I'm from Puerto Rico. I'm from the island, and he was from an island. And it's a fantastic story about belonging. You see, Alexander Hamilton was one of our founding fathers. And 250 years ago, this guy was way ahead. He saw where our economy was going. He was against slavery when a lot of people were still involved with that racist, demonic thing. And he was against, and he was like, this guy was amazing. And he was raised on Kitts and Nevis, okay? It was an island in the Caribbean. And, but he was brilliant. But at a very young age, he struggled because he didn't have a dad. His parents weren't married. And when his mom tried to remarry again, it didn't work out. So he always had an insecurity as an illegitimate child. Now, while there is a little less stigma on that in the 21st century, in the 18th century, in the 1700s, people would ruin your life if they thought you were illegitimate. There's some very unkind words to describe what that is, right? And he, he's, but he was so brilliant and so gifted, and he had a relationship with God at a young age. He wanted to do something great with his life. So he came over to the United States, and he fought in the Army. He worked with George Washington, and he, he, he was the first Secretary of the Treasury. The guy did amazing stuff. He founded the credit system. He, he helped us fight off the British. He helped us establish our country. This dude was amazing. He stood up against slavery. I'm spitting everywhere. I'm so excited. And... He's a, he, he helped found the, you know, the U.S. Constitution. He defended it. This dude was amazing. But his whole life, and he accomplished so much. He was a lawyer. He, man, just from, you talk about from nothing came to something. But he always struggled with belonging because he never knew his dad. He never had a relationship with his father. And so he always had petty fights with people. He always had this nagging insecurity that affected every area of his life and affected his relationship with other people to the point where he, he got into it continuously with the vice president of the United States, a guy named Aaron Burr. And Aaron Burr got sick of that insecurity and said, we're going to have a duel. And what he did was, this is not an actual dueling pistol, but this is something like George Washington has. It's called a Kentucky Flintock, I think. And so he was so insecure and always fighting for his pride and his name, he said, I'll, I'll do a duel with you. And showed up in New Jersey. And on a morning, on, a, on an awful morning in 1804, and he already had many kids, his insecurity led him to a duel with Aaron Burr. And on that fateful morning, turned around, and Aaron Burr shot him. And within a day or so, he was dead. Now, he had a relationship with Jesus, and he, he got it right before he died. But he was 42 years old. And because he struggled with a sense of belonging, his life was cut short. And he missed out 
on on an entire lifetime with his kids. He missed out on so much because he didn't belong. And I wonder how much you and I are missing in our current relationships because we're struggling with the insecurity of wondering where we belong. Some people, so many of us and so many people online, they struggle with the belonging. They don't know Jesus is their savior and they need the belonging that comes with that of knowing Jesus and stepping into God's family. But then there's born again Christians who are not taking part of what God has provided for them, that love and that intimacy. You see, there's so many Christians, they step into their faith. Oh, they're, they're saved. They're going to heaven. But then they're like, okay, God, thank you. You gave me a ticket to heaven, but my, my future relationships, I'll, I'll do that on my own. Uh, picking my future spouse, I'll do that. School, education, the kind of job I'm going to get next, I'll decide on that. I'll, I got it from here, God. And they wonder why they're always struggling. Because there's holes in their life that only God can fill with his love, his intimacy, and his direction. Somebody say, I belong. So whenever we're reading Galatians 3, 23 through 29, can we put that in the message version? I like what it says here. Paul is telling the Galatians, you belong. And 2,000 years later, God is speaking to you and me from this passage. And he's telling us that we belong, not only in the family of God, but in a daily intimate relationship with God. Look at, look at what he says here in the message. Until the time when we were mature enough to respond freely in faith to the living God, we were carefully surrounded and protected by the Mosaic law. The law was like those Greek tutors with which you are familiar who escort children to school and protect them from danger or distraction, making sure the children will really get to the place they set out for. Is that the net? There we go. But now you have arrived at your destination. By faith in Christ, you're in direct relationship with God. Your baptism in Christ was not just washing you up for a fresh start. It also involved dressing you in an adult faith wardrobe, Christ's life, the fulfillment of God's original promise. In Christ's family, there can be no division into Jew and non-Jew, slave and free, male and female. Among us, you are, our, you are all equal. That is, we are all in a common relationship with Jesus Christ. Also, since you are Christ's family, then you are Abraham's famous descendant, heirs according to the covenant promises. The first thing that comes out of my mind that's repeated several times in this verse is the word faith. The ancient writers, Paul and others, didn't have highlighters for verses. So what they did, and you see it throughout scripture, when you want to highlight a thought, you repeat it. And so he talks about faith. He's telling the Galatians, it's not that you need to do more to, be, to belong. There's a free relationship that you have the opportunity to grow in by the grace of God. So many people think, well, I get saved, but I guess everything else is on my own. No, no, no. You get saved, and that same power that raised Jesus from the dead is able to set you free from the addiction and the insecurity and the bondage. That same love and that same power that sets you free from sin is able to work in every area of your life, in your everyday life, those practical things. When you're trying to raise a four-year-old child like me, when you need to apologize to get a relationship back, when you need to make something right where you've made a mistake, it takes the power of God to do that. And God's not leaving you on your own. So faith. Verse 34, it said, Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. Now here's the cool thing. When you're born again, God gives every believer the measure of faith. Everybody has the same level of faith. And that's an awesome thing. 
Faith connects us to salvation, to be a part of God's family. Faith connects us to God, to have heaven instead of hell. Faith is the means to access his promises of salvation, healing, and blessing. By faith, you not only belong, but can experience more of his belonging, his security. Mike Murdoch once said, God's greatest pain is to be doubted. His greatest pleasure is to be believed. Somebody say faith. You can tap into this by believing God, by growing in the word every day and spending time with him. Faith. Faith. The second point is children of God. This place of relationship that God, where God brings you and me. Verse 26 said, for you are all sons of God or children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Children of God. The first point is faith. You can write that down somewhere. Faith Vine is smiling in the back. She loves it when we talk about faith. Set point two, children of God. For you're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. I was on my, I went and picked up Camila today after school. And I, it blew my mind. Because she, she talks to me like some of y'all pray. All right? We're talking and she's like, you know, Daddy, Daddy, you know, I was telling you, uh, today, Daddy, I'm, I'm going to watch Super Kitties on Disney when I get home, Daddy. And Daddy, can I have chocolate milk, Daddy? And some of y'all are like, Jesus, Father God, Jesus, Jesus, Father God, I thank you, Father God, Jesus. I'm not criticizing. I'm just, I've been a youth pastor for a while. Students do that. Father God, Jesus. And he's like, he forgot his name, so we need to say it over and over. <laughs> but guess what? She calls me, and that, she was saying it, and then I looked at her, and she looked at me, and she like knew what it was, and she's like, Daddy. She said it again. You see, she has that relationship with me. She's my kid. When she smiles, I see my smile in her. When she, she has a look in her eye, I see my mommy's look. There's a connection. And when God looks at you, he sees himself. Through the blood of Jesus, he looks at you. He doesn't see your sin. He doesn't see your past. He doesn't see your failures. Through the blood of Jesus, he looks at you and says, that's my daughter. That's my son. I'm so proud of you. I love you. Not because you did anything, but you're you and you're in the family and he loves you. And that's an awesome thing. Somebody say children of God. I love what John Bevere said. He said, he said um, to, be a servant of, to be a servant of God would be incredible. That'd be awesome. But God chose to make us his kids. You see, the Bible talks about a prodigal son. You remember that? The rich man who had the two kids. One was Mr. Perfect. And the other one was, uh, said, I want my inheritance. I'm going to go party now. And so he ran off, but he lost everything on women and drugs and being crazy. But he decides to come back, right? And he has this whole spiel like we do. We try to figure it all out, right, to make things right where we've messed up. And he says, Daddy, uh, I'm not worthy to be your son. Make me your servant because I know they eat better than what I'm eating, man, and I'm hungry. And I, I'm, I, don't, I know I've messed up. And, and he has this, all this stuff. And he said, no, 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 no one of the only times God doesn't listen. He says, no, 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 no. Y'all clean him up. Put a new robe on him. Put a ring on his finger. Put shoes on his feet. Clean his hair up. Kill the fatted calf. Come on, we're going to have asado. We're going to have a good time, y'all. Come on, get the horchata out. Let's do this. We're going to have fried chicken. We're going to have a good time because my son's back. He's not a servant. He's a son. And that's what God did for you and me. By faith, we've been adopted and engrafted into a new family. I'm adopted I'm in God's family now. You see, guys, we, we all have daddy issues. We were born into the, sin, the, the race of humans full of sin. We were disconnected from our Father God in heaven. But through the blood of Jesus, God reached out through eternity. Every time, every, every time he reached his hand out to get nailed to the cross, and one hand to the other, God reached out for you to bring you back to himself. 
to be, to be that father in your life. Maybe someone you didn't ever have, but to be someone better than you could have ever known. God wants to be your father. The Bible calls him Abba. Abba. They use that a lot in the Chosen series. It's an old Aramaic term for father. But it's more intimate than that. Because God doesn't want to just be your father, some stoic, uncaring, nonchalant dad. He wanted to be an Abba. An Abba, more directly translated, more accurately translated, is daddy. Like my little girl is to me. That's what God wants to do with you because he loves you. He cares about you. He's not trying to get something from you. He wants trying to, he's trying to get good things to you because he cares about you. First point was faith. The second thing is children of God. The third point is you belong. By faith, we're now in God's family. We're now Abraham's seed, and the blessings promised to him are our blessings too, and more. You see, we can be secure knowing that God is our healer. Most importantly, that he's our savior. But I also love this aspect of God. One of the terms in the Bible, one of the names for God is Jehovah Shammah. And that's my favorite way to describe God. Because it means the God who is there. How many of you have ever felt lonely in your life? You ever felt like no one cared, no one understood, you were the only one? God said, no, 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 I was, I'm there. The Bible says he was touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He knows what it's like to struggle. He knows what it's like to be in pain. And the same God, the same God who is that God to Paul is my God. The same God who was with David when he walked out against the giant and there was nobody with him on that battlefield. And he didn't have the armor of Saul. All he had was a slingshot. He had the spirit of God standing with him. He felt alone. And the, and the giant was cursing at him, ready to kill him, ready to destroy him. A man trained from war from his youth. But David stood up, a young man who'd never been in war, but he fought a lion and he'd fought a bear. And he said, you come to me with the spear and a sword, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And that's how God is for you. You're not alone. You and God make a majority. The Bible says one time, Elisha the prophet, he was in a city and the armies of the enemy were, were coming. They'd come around to destroy him, but Elisha wasn't worried. His servant was stressed out, though. And he's like, oh, my God, I, we ain't going to make it. This, mm, this is it. We better eat a good meal. He'd multiplied some bread before. He said, I need you to do that again because it's going to be the last one. But Elisha said, God, open his eyes so that he can see what I see. And around the armies of the enemy, the Bible says there were armies of fire surrounding him. And he walked out and God blinded the enemies. But guess what else? He blinded the enemies and they said, we don't know where to go. He walked out to his enemies and he said, follow me. He brought them in the city. They were surrounded by the, the, the Jewish armies. And the Jewish king said, do we kill them? He was ready to do it. He said, man, let's just finish them. He said, no, we're not. Feed them, take care of them, send them home. That's a, another sermon. But when God's with you, you can be secure. When God's with you, you don't need to be having duels. Now, we, don't do, we think, oh, man, how old school were they back then doing duels? But we do it every day in our minds. We do it every day on social media. We do it every time we gossip about somebody. We do it every time we're, we're, we're ruining someone's reputation behind their back. We do it every time we're in duels when we don't forgive our spouses. When you go to bed mad, that devil starts to lie to you and he starts to give you more hate toward that person because you went to bed on unforgiveness. 
And God's saying, no, 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 you belong with me. And that's a place of freedom and it's a place of forgiveness. You belong. Somebody say, you belong. In the 1800s, mid-1800s, before the Civil War, there were beautiful, wonderful African people from Sierra Leone that were captured. Of course, slavery was all illegal. It was demonic. But during this time, it was a weird, perverted thing we had going on in America because the slave trade was illegal. But slavery was legal. Does that make sense? Slave trade, you couldn't go and grab slaves to sell them like that from another country. At that time, it was illegal. But slavery itself was still legal in the United States, mostly in, in the South. Really. So there was a group of slaves from Sierra Leone that were captured. And they were put on slave ships. And they ended up on a Spanish ship called the Amistad. We can put that on the screen if you have a picture. And uh, um, Steven Spielberg made, made a movie out of it. I don't agree with every part of how they described it, but it's fairly accurate, okay? And what happened was they got captured, right? And they're on a slave ship. But there was a guy on there named Cinque. And he broke out of his shackles, got the others free, and they overtook the slave, the slave uh, traders. And, and somehow they communicated to him that they needed to get back to Africa. They just wanted to go home. But those guys still wanted to make money. And they were full of demons. <laughs> so they steered the ship to the East Coast and made it to Boston. So these guys ended up, all these slaves ended up incarcerated. It was a tragic thing. And they ended up in the court system. And some lawyers started speaking up for them. Some abolitionists and people that saw it as an awful thing. And they said, these people need to be free. And there was this court case about it. And it was a dramatic, heart, awful thing. They found a translator and they started finding their stories. These guys had families. They had dreams and they had hopes. They had a future in their country. But everything was ripped away. Can you imagine if today you were just taken away, taken to another country, you don't even understand the language and you're alone? And they're in the middle of this court case and they're being defended and there's this, they're trying to take them back as slaves. And Sinque, I love how they portrayed in the movie, he stands up and he has chains around his hand. He's starting to learn English and he's starting to hear about Jesus. And he doesn't know how to speak English right. He stands up and he starts pleading with the judge in the middle, in the middle of the court case. He doesn't understand legal decorum. And he looks at the judge and he's pleading. And he looks at the, 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 the lawyers and he looks at the jurists and he looks at the people in the room. And he says, give us free. Give us free. Give us free. And tears are streaming down his face. And he says, give us free. Because he has a life. And whether the argument was that they belonged in, in America or Africa or wherever, they belonged in freedom. And that's how God made all people. Eventually, a former president named John Quincy Adams defended them in the Supreme Court, and they became free. And Cinque was able to go back free to his country. And one of his descendants said he brought the love of Jesus back to his country. He didn't bring bitterness or hatred. He brought hope. And tonight, I know that some of you have been through some things. You've been hurt or abused or in ways some of us can't even imagine. But I believe what Paul's telling us in this passage is that you belong, that there's hope for you, 
and that your best days are in front of you and that with God's power, you can be free. With God's power, you can forgive. With God's strength, you can be everything that he's called you to be. Come on, let's bow our heads and let's pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to pray two simple prayers. Tonight, if you need to make peace with God and come back to God tonight, and you say, John, would you pray for me? I want to, I'm like that prodigal son. I just want to, be, I want to be right with God again. I want peace with God. If that's you, raise your hand. Let me pray for you. All right. With every head bowed, every eye closed. Hands are already going up. I always say I'd like to go to heaven. I'd rather go to heaven humble than hell proud. <laughs> awesome. And then if there's some of you here tonight, you say, you know what? I want to exp- step cl- into a closer, intimate relationship with God. I want to belong in every area of my life. I want to step into that security. If that's you, raise your hand. My hand's up already. All right. If you raised your hand for either one of those, would you stand with me? Stand with me. And let's pray this together. Let's just pray, pray both prayers. Would you lift your hands to get right with God? Let's pray with them so they feel comfortable. We'll all stand up now. Just pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm sorry for all my sins. I turn from my sin and I turn to you. Jesus, I confess you as my Savior, Lord and God. Come into my life. Come into my heart. I give you every part of me. Now let's pray this together. Say, Lord, thank you that you accept me, that you love me, that I belong with you. I welcome you into every part of my life, into every room of my heart, even those places that I've concealed. My relationships, my job, my future, my money, my purpose. Thank you because I belong. Thank you for your love. Change me. Help me to grow in this relationship with you in the word, in prayer, in connection. In Jesus' name.